Welcome to the Totes Faves, Paranormal Elimination Headquarters. We're ready to believe you. This week's experiment, ghosts, our help among his, I mean contestants. I ain't afraid of no ghosts, unless they're child ghosts, in which case I am very, very afraid. I'm Zara. Go ahead, make my millennium. I'm Brandon. I swear, I didn't move the Ouija board. I'm Deepu. Battle begin. Round one. Slimer versus Dr. Malcolm Crow. Oh boy, did Haley Joel Osmond see dead people, but you didn't know that he was one of them. Who am I talking about? None other than Dr. Malcolm Crow from the 1990 hit film The Sixth Sense. This is the breakout feature film for M. Night Shyamalan, and in this movie we follow Haley Joel Osmond and his budding relationship with psychiatrist Dr. Crow. Um, but I don't want to be the king of all spoiler alerts, so if you haven't seen this movie, you know, please turn the podcast off for five to ten seconds. But at the very end, we realize that none other than Dr. Malcolm Crow, played by Bruce Willis, in the king of all plot twists, was a ghost himself! Making him very high on my list of favorite ghosts. But this is one of those things that he was like such a ghost that you had to watch the whole movie over again just to see how ghostly it was. And it like defined M. Night Shyamalan's like feature of plot twist and not knowing somebody's a ghost and then they're a ghost. And it was so good that Bruce Willis actually won a People's Choice Award. So beat that, Brandy. Okay, so I'm going to beat that with one of pop culture's most beloved ghosts, Slimer. And so Slimer is from one of my favorite movies of all time, Ghostbusters. And Ghostbusters was initially originally written by Dan Aykroyd to be a kind of a, a, a buddy pitcher for him and John Belushi. And well, are you sure it wasn't Jim Belushi? I'm, I'm very positive it was John Belushi. Uh, and because they were both in Blues Brothers together. And so they wanted, he wanted to make like a sci-fi fantasy version of, of Blues Brothers. And so created Ghostbusters. After Belushi died, they evolved Ghostbusters into more of an ensemble piece, brought in Bill Murray. And uh, kind of Ivan Reitman, who the director, came up with the idea to do a nod to Belushi by making a fat ghost who ate too much and created Slimer. Uh, and, it, you know, it's that's just the, you know, the tip of the iceberg. But I think Slimer's uh, a backstory gives you, you know, a really good piece of to how important he was to that to that movie and that movie's important to me so i love slimer so he was both like a metaphorical ghost within the movie while also being like a real ghost in the movie but you can you that. imagine if your best friend wrote a character for you and it was a fat ghost it just like <laughs> stuffs pizza in its mouth <laughs> yeah, like, sorry, don't you ever like, well his original dead. part it's was basically <laughs> his, his original part was was basically venkman and uh, Belushi's original part was originally like thank. That's more flattering than a green, disgusting <laughs> slob monster ghost. Well, no, because it was like Pluto. Pluto at the, was probably his most iconic role from Animal House. So okay. he made like an Animal House ghost. Speaking of iconic roles, what's the biggest twist that's ever happened in a movie ever? <laughs> I don't uh, totally agree with that. If we could talk about best twists in an, at another time, but I, but I feel like Sixth Sense was my first twist. You you didn't watch like Twilight Zone episodes? Yeah, but no, but those are a different kind. That's like a TV twist. 
Also, it's like a very new trope on a ghost, right? Like normally ghosts are like, I'm spooky and I'm scary. But now it's like, I'm rugged, handsome Bruce Willis. Oh, B-dubs, I'm a ghost. Well, how about being like rugged, handsome Patrick Swayze, B-dubs, I'm a ghost. Rugged? He's he's pretty rugged. I mean, he didn't have a trench coat, but he can still be rugged. He did pottery. (laughs) Oh, I, I, this is hard. I like, um... I love Slimer. Slimer is a classic. Uh, I can I like also him in put the some more Slimer series. facts. That well, here's what I want to know, Brandon, and this is going to influence my book because maybe I'm on the fence. Who, which Slimer do you identify with more, Slimer from the Ghostbusters movie or that from the animated series where his like character was really fleshed out more? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because in the kind of the mythology of Slimer, he initially in the script wasn't. Uh, didn't really have a name. He was like referred to as the green ghost, or I think they call him like the onion head ghost. And uh, uh, so the movie came out and then they developed real Ghostbusters afterwards and they made a bunch of changes to make it work as a, as a TV show. Like they made, you know, Egon blonde and uh, changed the look of basically all the characters, but they also came up with the idea of making Slimer like a cute and cuddly stuffed animal kind of thing. And he became so popular that, they actually did a spinoff of Real Ghostbusters that was Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters because Slimer became so popular. Uh, and so when they made Ghostbusters two, they uh, named him Slimer. They kind of yeah they they named they didn't name like you know they never refer to him as Slimer, but they like made they gave, gave him a bigger part, which Ivan Reitman was kind of against, and like they filmed like a whole B plot involving Slimer and like haunting and being in the uh, the the headquarters, the Ghostbusters firehouse and like causing mischief like they did on real Ghostbusters. And then when he finally got into the edit, he's like that. I don't want it to be like the cartoon. So he like edited out most of those scenes. It's sort of like they made him a bit more of a Jim Belushi than a John Belushi. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But I don't know. I, I think the iconic Slimer, that scene in the Sedgwick hotel is one of the the funniest, but, but still generally creepy scenes. Uh, they really, you know, ride the balance really well. Um, and now, I have to say, with the Sixth Sense, is that I watched it, you know, early on, didn't know what the twist was, and I and I, it sounds like bragging, but I felt it come. I, I felt it coming. Oh no! Yeah, you and the rest of the world. I object. yeah. But I know that's what everyone <laughs> says, but no. But I'm, I'm saying that because I feel everyone saw that felt they saw that coming, like. He's I don't know if it's important. such a great twist. And I don't think he's that great of a ghost because he doesn't do a lot of ghost things. Does I know eat, he's redefining the boundaries plates, of a ghost. Does he eat plates Not of food? Not all ghosts are just eating. Like other <laughs> yeah. ghosts and or jumping out and surprising people or being like scary librarians. Ghosts can do lots of things. Like Hillary Clinton's a woman too, you know? <laughs> like people have lots of layers. Ghosts can also <laughs> so be. Ghosts. What, what is he? He's like a um, child psychiatrist, psychiatrist right? What an important profession. <laughs> Zara, this one's on you. I think I know it is uh, on me. I uh, So he was seeing a psychiatrist, but she never responded to him, so he was just talking to her. Yeah, that's like part of the twist. But you have to, you have to imagine that he that she was just sitting looking at a wall for like a, an hour yeah. uh, twice a week. I do that for at least 4 to 5 hours a week. Yeah, that's what moms do. That's how moms be. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with Slimer for his... I love how he's a puppet 
and so squishy and tactile looking. He's like a boglin. Yeah, he's like a yeah. boglin. I did. He's I a classic I, ghost. He's, he's like classic. the ghost of all ghosts. Yeah. Round two, Slimer versus Beetlejuice. All right, so I'm going to get to myself here. Let's talk about Beetlejuice. Now, Beetlejuice, uh, played by Michael Keaton in Tim Burton's second major film after um, Pee-wee. Uh, it, it, the original script for Beetlejuice was super dark. It was basically a horror movie, and it was going to be like a winged demon in the form of a Middle Eastern man. Uh, and it was just a much darker film. Tim Burton came in, made it more of a comedy, uh, and he originally wanted the part to be played by Sammy Davis Jr., but David Geffen, who was in charge of the studio, did not like that idea and linked Tim Burton up with Michael Keaton and made um, a and the gr- rest is history. A great part. The rest <laughs> is Batman history. Um, Beetlejuice is such an incredible character. He, you know the movie's named after him, and you can all you think about in that movie, you think about Beetlejuice. He's only in the movie for less than eighteen minutes. And shut up. Yeah. Yet when you think about that movie, the in that performance, you know it defines that film. Well, it's a no brainer for me. Because I love Michael Keaton. I love Beetlejuice. He's this, like, like just as raunchy as Slimer, but in a much more depthful way, right? Like, instead of just eating pizza and sliming people, he, like, has a personality. But they are sort of kindred spirits. Both, like, destructive monster ghosts. That are, like, you know, a little inappropriate. You don't want them (laughs) at a dinner party. No, it would be so embarrassing. Um, I I completely agree with Deepu. I absolutely love Beetlejuice. I have something in the mix that'll be coming down the the Toad's Fave Battle Dome Turnpike Ooh, soon. That is soon. also Beetlejuice oriented, and um, yeah, it's amazing. And he really turned that role into something else. And I mean, I feel like you couldn't have Beetlejuice without Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton without Beetlejuice, and. It's such a great movie. It's one of my favorites. And so I'm Beetlejuice all the way. Sounds like everyone, it sounds like no matter what I think, we're two, two to one at least. Oh yeah, we can, if we each say it once, then he'll actually come. Beetlejuice. (laughs) Beetlejuice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ghostwriter versus the Headless Horseman. Ghost Rider was a, a little-known children's mystery television series that was on PBS from 1992 to 1995. Um, it, it followed this close-knit circle of kids that lived in Brooklyn, somewhat similar to Zara and Brandon, and they, sold, they solved neighborhood crimes. But these kids had a special secret weapon that other groups of kids didn't have, and that was none other than an invisible ghost named Ghost Rider. Could you see this ghost? No. Could you hear him? No. Could this ghost manipulate whatever text and letters he had around him to teach you how to read and write while also solving different mysteries? <laughs> yes, that was the premise of the whole show. So Ghost Rider, I, I watched it a lot. Uh, it, it passed as educational television, which I think made my parents happy. But it, not, it like sort of taught me that ghosts don't have to be scary and spooky. They can also, you know... Just be a helpful detective that teaches you how to write. Like, it really changed my... Like, I guess I'm going really outside of the box with the ghosts I've defined. And this was, like, a very important ghost that's going to lose. <laughs> but I think it's important to just, like, know that he's out there changing text for our society. Um, so the Headless Horseman, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, it is... Um, 
you know the, the the idea of a headless horseman has been it was it's been in Celtic folklore called the Dalahan. It's also found in German folklore. It's mentioned by the brothers Grimm in at least two different stories. It's found in Scandinavian folklore with the idea of the wild hunt. It's also found in Indian folklore. Uh, and sorry about this, Deepu, because I'm going to say that the Jajir Jajir Jajir. Is a headless horseman found in the folklore of the Rajasthan? Oh boy! Oh boy. <laughs> um, I'm glad you apologized. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so in all of these things, it usually is an omen of someone's death. And Washington Irving, uh, in his in one of his uh, one of his passions was creating folklore for the early America because America as a country didn't really have its own folklore yet. So he was touring Europe and came across these uh, these ideas. Um, and created the American version of them and created what we know as the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the American Headless Horseman. So it's like the story of Hena all over again. Like there's something cool in India and we just steal it and bring it to America. No, it was also found in uh, Irish folklore, German folklore, Scandinavian folklore. It's it's in a lot of ancient uh, ancient stories now i i would love deepu to jog my memory did ghostwriter have a pen was there a no pen? no did no no ghostwriter was a proper ass ghost that didn't have any tangible features he could just like say you had some refrigerator magnets up he could scramble those um refrigerator magnets oh, to be right. like there's fingerprints on the door or like you're going to your newspaper he, or your favorite they social did studies see textbook him. they did see him he was like a glowing ball he was like I always thought that was more for us than them. I don't know because I I in my mind if when I'm like thinking about Ghost Rider, I'm thinking of childrens with backwards baseball children with backwards baseball caps watching like a floating ball. Yeah, like, his name was Jamal, the one you're thinking. Of. <laughs> <laughs> but who was Ghost Rider? Like, what was he when he, he was or she was alive? Oh, um, he was just a detective that helped them. <laughs> I don't think this is PBS. Like guys. a dead detective. <laughs> I don't think we got into the deep. <laughs> we didn't get into the deep, deep story of where Ghost Rider came from. He only had so many letters he could use. It's whatever those magnets were. Yeah. <laughs> On one hand, we have a, a character that has been in literally countless adaptations throughout movies tvs shows stage plays cartoons video games and then on the other end we have a real gem that that, <laughs> that i maybe couldn't even i maybe wouldn't even have gone to college without him and ghostwriter probably could teach someone to read so that they could read the legend of sleepy hollow yeah so what could what could so a what headless horseman teach somebody <laughs> how to slut it around in multiple cultures <laughs> how to slut around yeah, name me a culture he's not involved with, Brandon. You thought it was a strength. I think it's a weakness. Maybe China? Oh, you forgot about... Oh, no, I was about to say some racist stuff, so I'm just going to hold back. <laughs> totally. Let's <laughs> Um... Um, I I feel a little bit biased because I know how much the Headless Horseman means to Brandon. I'm, at this moment, I am literally drinking a beer with the Headless Horseman on it. So he's like mm. looking right into the shipyard beer <laughs> pumpkin Headless Horseman's face. I'm waiting for all my texts to rearrange to help me save. Uh, are you drinking a ghostwriter? I'm going to lose. <laughs> are you drinking happening. a ghostwriter themed beer, Deepu? Where are you, ghostwriter? <laughs> 
Help me win this. I'm going to lose again. Go ahead, Zara. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think it has to be the Headless Horseman, mostly because in two weekends, we're going up to Terrytown, Sleepy Hollow area to do fall stuff. And it's so beautiful. And so it, the vote for the way that the Headless Horseman has inspired amazing tourism opportunities <laughs> for fall. <laughs> I hope you have Valley. a mystery there that you can't solve. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe the Headless Horseman will arrange the letters. The Maitlands versus Bill Pullman from Casper when he's a ghost. When he's a ghost. <laughs> when he's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh There's been no other like full Zara sentence in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, so here are two of my options up against each other. I don't mind which one you pick, so I'll try to give them both an equal shot. Um, we've already talked a little bit about Beetlejuice. Um, my character from it, instead of being Beetlejuice, it, are the the couple whose house Beetlejuice takes over, the Maitlands, Barbara and Adam Maitland, as played by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. And these characters are excellent, and one of the, it's my favorite tropes in ghost movies is understanding the logic of the ghost world and the bureaucracy and like what what are the rules of being a ghost? And this is really what Beetlejuice goes into, and they find the handbook for the recently deceased after they sadly pass away in a car accident. And through this, they meet this like go into this crazy nether world where they meet with their caseworker and figure out, oh, they have 125 years to like stay in their house before they're allowed to pass on to the other side. And I loved that. I love like under anything that's like you understanding the ghost rules. Can these ghosts like push people? Can they scare people? Can they do stuff? Um, and the best part is that it's played by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis in their prime, like the peak Gina Davis, although I would say maybe a league of their own Gina Davis is peak Gina Davis, but this is like peak Alec Baldwin. I would it's like peak thin. Gina Davis too. I mean, this is just, this is Alec post working girl. It's Gina post the fly the best. Um, all right, moving on to, so this is a smaller character from the, <laughs> a <little bit> of, <laughs> This is a deep cut. Um, there is a 1995 movie called Casper starring Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci, which was a particular favorite of mine growing up. And I'm not giving this to Casper because Casper was kind of annoying and his uncles were definitely annoying. Like Casper was a little goody two shoes and I liked his friendship with Christina Ricci. But this movie really belongs to her dad is played by Bill Pullman. And so I'm I'm nominating during the movie, Bill Pullman's character gets drunk with Casper's ghost uncles, falls down a, um, a manhole, dies, and comes back as a ghost because he had unfinished business. And it's established that in the house there's something called the Lazarus machine that gives brings people back to life. So Casper ends up sacrificing his chance to become mortal to give it to Christina Ricci's dad, Bill Pullman, so that he can return from the grave. <clears throat> and he, so that there is a fun sequence when Bill Pullman is a ghost. And I love Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman as a ghost is even better. I don't know if it's fun. It's all very depressing. Well, so <laughs> this movie is also one of the best 
but also the first time I think in my childhood when I cried for like sadness and like in a certain way that you There's don't like many an adult children's cry. movies yeah, where like you deep have to sadness. come to deep sadness parents like, dying <clears throat> yeah and he dies in like he a comic mishap but he's dead <laughs> but he's still and dead then, and his daughter's just like waiting for him <laughs> his daughter's waiting for him and then realizes he's dead because he comes back as a ghost and then he's all goofy and happy and enjoying being a a fun ghosty sidekick character like the rest of them. And Christina Ricci's like, but wait, you're dead. That's because the ghost, once you become a ghost, although you have unfinished business, they like, they're like forgetful, right? Yeah. You start forgetting who you were and just enjoy being like a mischief making ghost, which is part of the rule book that you see in Uh, Beetlejuice. (laughs) I love ghost rules. I similarly in vampire movies love vampire rules. Like, is this a vampire movie where can they go in the sun or not? Can they? Yeah, but those are so boring compared to the complexity and beauty of of ghost rules. rules. Yeah, (laughs) I love a ghost magical chemistry on TV. If like if we wanted to do best couples in in pop culture ever, Uh, this could have won that hands down. It could have. I mean. Alec Baldwin has never been more handsome. The cute little glasses, that head of hair. Gina Davis has never been more gracious and funny and sweet. And it's, they're perfect. So I don't know either. I mean, this is up on, this is on you guys. Both of these are my picks. I mean, this is a joke, Zara. Do you really think Bill Pullman's 10 seconds as a ghost? In the <laughs> yeah, movie he Casper might be a ghost <laughs> for maybe, let's be realistic, maybe it's 40 for one, seconds of screen time. I, he might be a ghost for less time than Casper becomes Devin Sawa later in the movie, <laughs> which is another eye-awakening moment for my, for myself as a child, because once you're done crying, you see like the handsomest <laughs> boy, but also it's confusing because it's like he's dead and has this really nice dance with Christina Ricci, but he's dead. Similar to Binks the Cat. Very similar. I mean, same. Very similar. Very similar. (laughs) Well, my vote is for the power couple of the ghost world. Yeah, I have to go for the Maitlands. Uh, I I love Beetlejuice, as I have said before. (laughs) All right. I know it was a throwaway, but I had to give Casper some love. The Overlook Ghosts versus Nearly Headless Nick. So we've talked about The Shining on this podcast before. This is the Stanley Kubrick version from 1980. And I am nominating the collective ghosts of the Overlook Hotel. Special shout out to the guy in the tuxedo and his bear friend. Um, Because all of these ghosts, these are all like, Kubrick creations basically not Grady but he did so much for this movie and there's so many totally terrifying shocking visuals and surprises and it makes this movie so good and so scary and they're done so well and I kind of just love besides the amazing scenes uh with um, Jack Nicholson and Lloyd the bartender where it's like is he in his head is he a ghost is he dead and him working with the guy who used to be the caretaker in the hotel who's now come back as a weird spooky butler ghost um, those scenes are so good and so haunting and eerie and Kubrick has really captured the perfect way to like surprise with a ghost which I feel like the sixth sense tries to borrow from slightly heavily Okay, um, it already lost. It already lost. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to run it through the mud. <laughs> but I just love them. And um, <clears throat> if we if we keep this going, um, 
my second favorite thing about these are the crazy theories surrounding the ghosts and the filmmaking of this movie. So there's so many that it's inspired another movie called Room 237 where people just discussing the craziness of people saying, oh, if we line up the two little girls and you line up the guy with the bear in the room, those are in the same angle. And that means that it's this particular angle and that's like 13 and 13 is an unlucky number. And so there are crazy people assigning logic to these ghosts. And I think it's just Stanley Kubrick being like, this is scary. Look at this. And that's, that's my pick. Um, I want to just comment quickly that you and Brandon refused to pick single characters in this game <laughs> and are picking <laughs> a host. Cheating. You're picking families of ghosts. Full well, families. Like, I pick every single ghost in this hotel. Me, on the other hand, I'm no, picking I the pick prime. single ghosts. I, I, just, I guess I Oh, yeah, tell that but, to j- 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 the Indian ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ghost of many names. <laughs> so I'm like Zara and Brandon. I went through and back to my favorite, one of my favorite book, series of books, Harry Potter. And instead of picking every single ghost from Harry Potter, I instead picked the best ghost in Harry Potter, which is nearly headless Nick. Um, his proper name is Nicholas de Mimsy Proppington, which is enough reason to vote for him on his own. Uh, he was the uh, resident ghost of the Gryffindor Tower. He uh, once was trying to place a spell to fix his lady's teeth and accidentally turned them into walrus teeth, to which she had him executed. But I guess he had really tough skin because they couldn't execute it all the way, thus giving him the name Nearly Headless Nick. Um ne- I really thought about who my favorite ghost was in Harry Potter. And I picked Nearly Headless Nick because he's like a smidge of like much needed comic relief in the first like one to four books. And then he becomes this really like thoughtful, you know, counter character against Harry. And then in the very end, not to give another spoiler alert, but pretty much without Nearly Headless Nick, Harry couldn't have defeated Voldemort because nearly headless Nick tells him where the uh, gray lady is, who is the last key to defeating Voldemort. So at every level he's fun and then he's thoughtful. And then he basically saves the day. Neville surely didn't do all those things. How dare you? I love Neville Longbottom. <laughs> and he's played by John Cleese in the movie. Right? Oh God, I forgot. I have it bolded on my note sheet to be like, oh, when's Zara right. over? Say John Cleese. <laughs> <laughs> Why not moaning Myrtle? Yeah, she is a c word. I don't know if we can say the c word, but she is the definition of the c word. Cute, corporeal figure. <laughs> she is a little annoying. I, I'll, a I, little annoying because when I was looking up ghosts myself, I'm a hu- also a huge Harry Potter fan. I was trying to see if there was a ghost that I latched onto in the Harry Potter universe, and moaning Myrtle, I think, gets the most word time and screen time but i just yeah you saw a little bit too much of yourself in her (laughs) 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 so what are you thinking brandy you gonna go with the 18 ghosts of the shanty (laughs) well all right to to be fair i i'm happy to take away all the ghosts one ghost i'm gonna pick pick one one ghost ghost. and it's the guy with the bear because that's freaky as hell and not bathtub lady uh Bathtub Lady's great too, but the bear is like the scariest bear mask. Like, where did they buy that mask? Show me the store that makes a literal like haunted mask. It is progressive because I don't think there's any other gay ghosts in the. That's true. On this list, you should be more. What about Casper? 
Casper's not He's in, a not on the Christina list. He's a lover of not on the list. Hey. Um, I, so I, I, when I heard nearly had, had this Nick, I, I know Harry Potter. I've got such mixed feelings on Harry Potter in general. I, but Deepu did st- start to win me over, and I, but I do love The Shining. But if you, if but Zara's number one is the bear guy, <laughs> and not Lloyd the bartender. I mean, Lloyd the bartender is clearly the strongest. No, character. it's the bathtub woman. She's the scariest. She. Uh, is she the scariest, I guess? Uh, to be determined in a future episode. We should have a mini episode on just the ghosts of the, the show. <laughs> Which is the scariest? So let's just pick mine now and then go back to The um, Shining later. <laughs> I don't know. I think in in my heart of hearts, I might be siding with Nearly Headless Nick. I mean, he is more charming. Like, His name is Nicholas de Mimsy Proppington. <laughs> <laughs> and like in the movie, he's only probably because they couldn't afford John Cleese for every movie. He's in it for like he's in like three scenes. But in the yeah, book, he's pretty he, clutch in the books. He does have a lot of scenes. So I think we're. I think right, you I'm can go for Nick, Nick, but just Google "Shining Bear Man" because there are crazy. I'm doing it right no, now, Zara. No, no, but no, not to see, you know the scene, but to read the fan theories about it are fascinating, and people have way too much time on their hands. That I'm thankful for that because you can read weird, weird blogs about like different. I don't know, like mathematical formulas that equal certain things that equal certain days on the Gregorian calendar and then mean that something, assigning meaning to nonsense, basically. <laughs> Round three, Beetlejuice versus the Headless Horseman. So we have like a modern day creation and we have a classic ancient creation. Um, what are you guys thinking? Michael Keaton. Michael, I just can't even, as charming as I said, the town of Terrytown and the greater Sleepy Hollow area is, nothing compares to Beetlejuice. It's well, the it, best It is movie. considered, The Headless Horseman is considered one of the first American, like, international hits. Like, it, that was, like, the first bit of culture that escaped early America and got, you know. But that was so no, long there ago. is something. There is something very, um... Like Americana and nostalgic and charming and New Englandy feel for it. It's just that, um, you know, Michael Keaton. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's I mean? going to be the answer for everything. I just to, to just to throw one thing in the mix to, you know, make Zara think some things. Is Zara, have you seen the 1980 TV movie version of Legend of Sleepy Hollow with Jeff Goldblum as a kebab crane. What? <laughs> How you didn't dare tell you? Me. <laughs> How dare you? I didn't. Why have you kept this from me? <laughs> I was waiting for this very moment to tell you that there is a version of Legend of Sleepy Hollow with Jeff Goldblum as a kebab. I mean, I was happy enough with the Disney version. I always loved that one. <laughs> Um, this is what I imagine the two of you guys do to like spice up your relationship. Like other like, people might watch porn, but you're gonna watch the Jeff Goldblum version of Sleepy Hollow. I feel like I, there's a little known Jeff Goldblum movie. Yeah, when he, before he was before he was Jeff Goldblum before the fly. If wow. You, um, like sweetie, Regina Davis from Beetlejuice. Yay, Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Fine. 
the Maitlands versus Nearly Headless Nick. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Deepu. No. This is not even a contest. I like you're apologizing because you already know you won. And you know what? You already know you won. I, I'm just <laughs> it's rare. It's rare that I know in my heart of hearts. That well, okay. <laughs> that so I'm going to give you some full honesty here. I almost picked uh, the Nate Lins, But again, unlike you and Brandon, I was going to pick one Nate Lynn because that's the rules of the game. And I was going to pick <laughs> Judah Davis. But I, um, Arthi suggested it to me. Arthi, our guest from last week, who happens to be my sister, she suggested that I pick them, and I wanted to be like, mind your own business, <laughs> so that I didn't pick them, because she was all up in my business, and I got upset. <laughs> so, so to so, like, counter They were that, actually going to be on my list, but I was having weird sibling issues, so I had to pick something else. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Where do you fall, Brandon? Is there any, ch- is there any point? Again, see, this is like, when you were describing... Nearly had this Nick. You brought up a trigger for me with Harry Potter, and that I do a bad trigger. I do love Harry Potter, but I have issues with it. And one of my issues is that a lot of it feels like a really heavy-handed video game, where it's just like you have to. We have to get this to get to do this. We have to do this to do this. We have to do this. Like it's just one big flowchart of a story. And you mentioned how like Nearly Headless Nick is a clutch piece of. Uh, don't getting to Voldemort, but he's just like on the checklist of the fifty other things that you need to do to get Voldemort, um, which just brought up some like, yeah, Harry I'm Potter. I'm just interested yeah, now in playing a Harry Potter video game. Is what I what I took from it. <laughs> just read the books again. <laughs> I played a lot of. I played a few Harry Potter video games. Um, no, I I love the. I I mean, I love, I love Gina Davis. I just want to remind you of when. She's um, when they're practicing being ghosts and trying to be scary, and they go, Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good! It's so good. <laughs> oh, Oscar award winning acting, it is. So, we're going with the Maitlands, yeah. Yes, round four the Maitlands versus Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, way to go, team. We just picked all the characters from Beetlejuice. <laughs> All right, so to start this off, I just want to say that only one of these ghosts is the ghost with the most. <laughs> and which ghost would that be? Alec Baldwin with his hunky head of hair. Oh, that head of hair. Imagine running your hands through it. It'd be like a porcupine's quills. No, really, Brandon. Really just like close your eyes and imagine running your hands through it. <laughs> That flannel, those jeans. There would be no Beetlejuice movie without Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice. Yeah, you actually said that on the record, Zara, which I don't even know what you were thinking. Uh, well, I didn't know. I, in a way, I did know it would come to this. I was about to say it would be lying, though, if I said that, <laughs> that I wouldn't think it would come to this. But with both Beetlejuice, and also I find it fun too that uh, when they did the the initial filmed ending of Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice died and you never saw like he was exercised you never saw him again and then the test audiences liked Beetlejuice so much that upset them and so then they had to film the waiting room scene afterwards with the voodoo guy with the voodoo guy to like show that Beetlejuice was still alive um or not alive but you know still undead um because the audiences liked him so much and uh, he will be returning at some point in the next few and, years. And um, 
allegedly. Oh, they're re- they're rebooting Beetlejuice. They're not rebooting. They're making well. They're doing a, probably a soft reboot, as they call it now. But they're doing like a a sequel with uh, uh, Winona Ryder and uh, Michael Keaton. And so, oh, Baldwin. it was called Stranger Things, right? Yes, that's <laughs> the Beetlejuice reboot. Oh, yeah, I Stranger saw Things. That. Well, I want to. I want Gina Davis have already said that they're not doing it. No, there's no possible way. Actually, that's the when I was doing this research, it was mostly about like the process of getting Michael Keaton, and then how quickly they wanted Winona Ryder, and how quickly Catherine O'Hara signed on, and then it was then there's like no mention of the process of hiring Alec Baldwin or Gina Davis, which makes me think they're both like, all right. Well, Alec Baldwin. (laughs) It's a a thing. It took me like before one. One a kid, although I was a kid that learned about casting and actors very early, it doesn't even feel like Alec Baldwin. Like, no, it's he's no. completely unrecognizable. Like I did not know who that was Alec Baldwin until maybe I was fourteen or fifteen. Oh, I think I learned in my twenties. I had no well, idea. Well, not to unpack more of this sister drama that happened about. Now this is great that we know who Arthi is that I can now talk about this. <laughs> but she told me to pick that, and she goes, "Oh, we'll pick Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin." And I very sassly said. Um, excuse me, do you want to correct yourself? And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, do you want to correct yourself? That wasn't Alec Baldwin. And she's like, yes, it was. And then I felt like a poophead. Oh. Zara, are you picking them in their scary ghost forms, like their action figures were? Oh, or? like with the pulled face? Yeah. Um, no, like normal. Normal. Like in the waiting room of the In the waiting with room, going to see Juno. Okay. Yeah. I think Beetlejuice wins. <laughs> oh well, I'm gonna tell I, you this, Brandon. Your your argument, the only the only semi decent argument you made for the Beetlejuice over, <laughs> over Gina and Alec was that you said there would be no Beetlejuice without them, right? Like there'd be no movie Beetlejuice without Beetlejuice. Yeah, and you're. I mean, but I don't think I would have liked that movie without Gina Davis. Would, like he's so much that they're actually real humans, you know. I mean, real ghosts. Yeah, but real- imagine if they made Beetlejuice a little Middle Eastern man with Oh, links. so I was reading about that as well on Wikipedia, and I can't, can't think of anything more problematic, like the description of it. And also in the same description, they're like, and he had like African-American speech. And I was like, um... <laughs> a Middle Eastern winged a creature. A Middle Eastern with- winged creature. <laughs> It was also With, a like, horror movie. African American slang, a flat out from scary the 80s. horror movie. Okay. So they should bring that back for the reboot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of glad Michael Keaton <sighs> came into the picture. <laughs> I think I think the best argument I want to bring it up again is that he is only in that movie for less than 18 minutes. Yeah, I know. I just the thing is like I'm really like we don't have we haven't really picked many iconic ghosts and they were just such ghosts. Like Beetlejuice was almost more of a monster than a ghost. You he's know? a ghost. He's a fully a ghost. He lives in the ground. But he's not like transparent and like Boo. <laughs> They weren't either. They had to put on sheets. I know. They played with the original the original title for Beetle- Beetlejuice was Scared Sheetless. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, but he did it. As but then did. in the tests, in the test screenings, the audience liked Beetlejuice so much that they had to name it Beetlejuice. Well, I remember being a ten-year-old and wishing they named it Gina Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Gina Davis, the movie by Gina Davis. Um, I'm sorry, Brandy. I guess. Oh, is Zara turning? I'm a little bit. I get it, though. I'm only turning for because it's. 
I get it. You know, <laughs> it's like the star of the movie or the charming, like the the way that we're introduced into the ghost world versus versus the, the audience surrogates versus exactly, the yes. actual main character. Yes. Although he's not really the main character, but you know, he the, becomes the main the star. character. The star, exactly. Um, Wait, did you turn Zara? I feel like it should be he should be number one and they should be number two. The ghost with the most. Yeah. Oh well, I'm officially making sure everybody knows that I'm not voting for Michael Keaton. <laughs> I'm all right with it, but I just want everybody to know it's not me. All right, I, I'm happy to accept Michael Keaton as my, as my leader. Test complete. Our totes faves ghosts are number five, Slimer from Ghostbusters. Number four, Nearly Headless Nick from the Harry Potter series. Number three, The Headless Horseman from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Number two, The Maitlands from Beetlejuice. Number one, Beetlejuice from Beetlejuice. Commence fave of the week segment. So what's everyone into this week? I'm into, I have a new podcast alert that are for people out there who like watching Dateline and watching the John Bonet series and the Amanda Knox series. Where is this and going? In search, and in search of and unsolved <laughs> mysteries. Um, it's a little podcast called My Favorite Murder. And I feel very late to the game. Similar, almost exactly how I felt with Bitch Sesh, where it's like I... I think there are 50 episodes in. They mm-hmm. have a crazy fandom with its own closed Facebook group that you can ask to be a part of. And it's just people, the idea that it's two women who every week share their favorite murder. And this could be like a hometown murder with, um, they had a special episode for the Jean Benet case when that CBS program came on. And it's bo- both of them talking about how awful that TV show was. Um, and so it's, Sounds horrible and creepy, but it's also two funny, interesting people talking about why these things, like, people are so obsessed with them, especially women in a crazy, weird, twisted world that women cannot get enough of, like, Dateline and Discovery Investigates and all these shows. And so it's a way of talking about these things in a fun Lighthearted way. It is something that's that brings me back to like the idea of ghost stories, but it was as well always old wives' tales. You know, I think that it there is something hardwired into the female, the female brain. like retelling of stories, mm-hmm. and, and they just do such a good job. And they have guests, and they've started doing live shows, and it's similar. It's like the murder version of bitch sesh, basically. Instead of Real Housewives, they're talking about. Murders. Like murders. <laughs> but in a fun way. And they talk about their lives as well. But it's a, another one with like a crazed, very intense fan group that calls themselves the Murderinos, which is fun. <laughs> but yeah, you should all have a listen. My favorite murder. Um, so I always struggle in the fall season because I, I, like I like to get into seasonal things. And I always want to like a cider, but they're always so sweet. Um, so then whenever you try to get a really dry cider, it smells like farts. So it's like this like competition between enjoying the taste of a dry cider versus it smelling like farts. But recently I was in North Carolina for a wedding and I had this, <clears throat> sorry, that's how excited I am. I had this really delicious dry hopped cider. So it's called Teton Cedar Works, Cider Works, Yakima Valley Dry Hop Cider. One more time. 
Yakima Valley dry hop cider. So what it is is it's basically a cider that goes through a dry hopping process that actually like gives it this really like beautiful, wonderful taste on the end note of it while still retaining its um, cider spirits. Um, and you can actually make a dry hop cider at home pretty easily. So uh, if it's all right with uh, Sheila, the intern, I'll send her a link on how to make your own dry hop cider. And I thought maybe this is something the three of us could do together sometime. Oh, this is dry hop wonderful. our own cider. We do. We like um, we like dock cider, and they also make a dry hop cider that is which they just good. started last year. So I feel like it's a newer. It is. It thing. is definitely because it allows um, people that can only drink cider to have a, a slightly beer tasting kind of drink, or some just genuine real flavor. <laughs> I love cider, and all, I love all types. All types of cider. I but doesn't also it really like smell like farts cider. usually when it's dry? But I like I dry cider. That's why I like Doc so much because I hate I hate like woodchuck and yeah all those. yeah I think there's better options now. For a while, that was all there was. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all there had was all there all there was was uh, and that's why you had to put it on ice, water it down a little bit. But so you can make it in your in your home. Yeah, I'm sending it to Sheila as we speak, so maybe we can post it in the notes. Okay, Sheila will take care of it. <laughs> all right, Sheila's um, our intern. <laughs> yeah. So my uh, pick, I have to have to make my pick. Uh, I launched a sticker app. I don't know if you call it a full app, but on the new version of iOS 10, uh, if you have an iPhone, you can install sticker packs into addition of your regular old emojis. And so I decided to make a pack of stickers. And in the spirit of this episode, it, they're... They're spooky, scary stickers. That's what they're called. They're called spooky, scary stickers. And uh, so if you're into this kind of stuff that we're talking about, I don't think any of the characters, uh, they're all planned, the characters, that a lot of the characters we're talking about, except for maybe Ghost Rider. But um, <laughs> they're, all, they're all in there. Uh, and it's, it was a fun little project. I'm going to keep adding to it. It's a dollar, only a dollar. Uh, and you get, right now you get, 18 different scary stickers but uh you will get all the future updates for only a dollar um how would i find this would i go on an app store you would can I send search you an email it's it's uh so to get to the stickers on ios messages it's not the easiest process you have to click on um the arrow next to the text field which opens up more icons, and then you click the A for apps, and you'll find the app store in there. Mm. So it's not the smoothest of processes to get to them. This is more faves of the week, but I love there's a Hillary Clinton sticker pack, which is just a bunch of face, her face making like crazy smiley faces. Um, I love they do these ones that look like classic Mac options like the the dog and the okay button and the bomb and the sad mac so you can stick um classic mac stuff all over it and so yeah there are a bunch of fun ones but if you like to try one out and are into into halloween try spooky scary stickers they're really they're really good (laughs) they're really really cute uh, yeah, just on the App Store. Right now, only on iOS, because I don't think Google offers anything like this. Deepu, where can people find you? You can find me on the old Instagram or Twitter at, at VP Marty. 
Um, and you can find me on um, doing improv shows at Steel City Improv Theater under the team names Off White Noise or The Deep End. Um, it would be great to have people come to our shows sometimes. For me, you can tweet me at ZaraFS. You can follow at Dana Skelly Style on Instagram. And that's it. Uh, and you can find me at BB Werner on Twitter and Instagram and my YouTube history show laughing historically at youtube.com slash laughing historically. And you can find my sticker app on the sticker store on your messages app on your iPhone. And if you like Toad's faves, please tell one person this week. (laughs) And the person can't be a ghost. Yeah, but it's okay if you don't know they're a ghost, well, and then at the end you figure out that they're. Yeah, a ghost. I th- I think ghosts can. I think Bruce Willis might have had a cell phone, so he could get the sticker. Pack right, and- he had a cell phone. Ooh, I don't know. Nineteen ninety nine. Oh yeah, no, probably not. No, he didn't have stickers, but he had a cell phone. So I think like, today he might have an iPhone. <laughs> I think you should need to write some fan fiction about Bruce yeah, Willis. The- the Today, twist at the end was that it was iPhone. actually a Google phone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>